Hello and welcome back to the Let's Go Joe podcast. Today I have the beautiful Miss Paige Chapman, the most defiant, (laughs) argumentative, gotta be right. I don't have to be right. See? See what I mean? She already started. So with that in mind, uh, I chose to talk to Paige today because her career choice is one of uh, that really interests me and it may or might not interest you, but I love what you do for a living. And being a black, young, motivated, fierce, mean, it's like, nah. <laughs> but being uh, the person that I've learned to know over the years, it kind of fits you. So introduce what you do, Paige. Introduce yourself, however you find the uh, need to do it. All right. Hello, everyone. Um, like Joe said, my name is Paige. I am a criminal defense attorney. I work for the Public Defender's Office, and I'm also the Diversity and Inclusion Coordinator for the office statewide. I didn't know that. So with that in mind, do you work out, Paige? You know I like to talk about yes. people's personal health as well. <laughs> you know, I got to throw the health as well in there. You do work out. Yes. Why? Um, because, like you said, health is wealth. Um, it keeps me grounded. Um, I'm obsessed with it. So, yeah. Or did you find? Did you find any benefits? Because people accept me talking about benefits. Oh well, you own a gym, so. But do you find any benefits of working out? Tons. Can you speak on any? Yeah. So I mean, there's always the obvious superficial benefits of looking good, um, but also. Like I kind of alluded to earlier, um, it's a lot of mental health benefits to working out, and then also just the underlying um, physical, medical benefits to working out, to adding years to your life, staying healthy and all that. Does it translate to personal life? So you getting up, I know you're an early person. Mm-hmm. I only know that because I know you, but you're an early person, so you get up, you work out every morning. Does it translate to your uh, work life? Or your personal life, like things of that nature. Oh, definitely. And I think the two go back and forth. So, um, as you know, like I grew up playing sports, so I've always viewed sports as a metaphor for life. And so I think working out and fitness is also kind of the same thing. Um, So when I go in in the morning to the gym, I'm super competitive in every aspect of my life. So um, I'm competitive in the gym. I'm going hard. I'm pushing myself with the set count or the um, the weight. And then it translates into the office. So in the courtroom or when I'm working on the case, like when it gets hard, I'm not going to quit because why would I go so hard at five o'clock in the morning in the gym to then give up so easily on things that really impact and make a difference in someone's life Um, and vice versa. So when I know I can do something very mentally complicated at work on the gym, then we can do that extra set. You can do that extra rep. So So when you say reps, uh, so you don't go to the gym and just run on the treadmill, do you? No. All right, so what do you do? (laughs) Because I need, I mean, I I need black women, especially uh, successful extremely smart black women to understand that they can do both. So do you just go and hit the treadmill, Stairmaster, sauna? So I used to, that, as you know, that used to be the, the, the treadmill used to have the most intense chokehold of my life. Um, but now, now we're in there lifting, moving big boy weights, um, but still doing cardio. Okay, that's good. So I have a question. What, introduce, what did you say your title was again? A defense attorney? Yes. Okay, what is a defense attorney? Um, What's the difference between a defense attorney and 
a regular patent attorney. Like, okay, what is so it, yeah, so attorney? I'm a criminal defense attorney. So I represent um, people that have been accused of a crime in the state. Guilty until proven innocent, or innocent until proven. Guilty? Well, it's supposed to be innocent until proven guilty, but we know this it's otherwise. <laughs> so the main question that I have before we uh, hop into that is. You said something else. You said uh, you're actually a part of what? The public defender's office. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm sorry. Yes, you said that, but oh. you said you're a represent something. You said. Oh, the diversity far. and inclusion. Yes. Coordinator. What is that? Because I heard the word diversity, and it just made me think of. Uh, I mean, you know what diversity means, but what is that? Yeah. So um, I'm kind of like the head for the office, um, as far as like with recruiting new attorneys and staff members to make sure our office is culturally, gender, ethnically um, diverse that um, I put on or make sure that the office has certain trainings for attorneys and staff to make sure that we are um, culturally competent isn't the best word anymore. They moved away from that. But making sure that like we're up to date on um, that we're using proper language, that we are not offending um, our clients with like our intake staff when we interview people, that our attorneys, that we are pushing the envelope and defending people, that we're not afraid to raise race in our arguments because race plays a major role um, in people that are being arrested and accused of crimes. Um, now that LGBTQ is a big thing, so transgender rights and their issues um, as far as like housing in, um, in prisons and different systems like that. So raising issues, making sure that people are, because your constitutional rights are your constitutional rights, but making sure that you are being still adequately and effectively represented as well as treated well and that staff also feel included. So two, two questions. Mm -hmm. First one, uh, you said something about LGBT. Yes. I don't want to get long-winded with it. I just know that it's a... Uh, it's a lot of awareness brought to it yeah. nowadays. So when you say LGBT, just this is really my main question is like, so are you dealing with that at high cases right now? And how do y'all deal with like a, a young man who identifies as a woman and wants to be treated as a woman? It's kind of a two-fold question. And wants to be treated as a woman when incarcerated. So... Um I don't want to say that we're dealing it, dealing with it in high numbers, but it's definitely growing. Um, and it is the way that it's handled in the adult system is a bit different in the youth setting. Um, so I can't really speak much for adults because I mainly represent um, kids. Um, but it, I don't think Delaware is necessarily handling it in the best way. Um, but I think every state right now is really trying to figure out how to best handle it. But I mean, that we are, it becomes like a, a civil rights issue when, um, I guess regardless of age, if um, a person is identifying as a separate gender, they have to be adequately protected. So we have had in Delaware um, a youth who was born a male but was transitioning into a female was sent to Ferris, um, which is a level five facility prison for kids. Um, <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> and um, so there was argument because she wanted to go to a different facility for young girls. Like Grace Cottage? She wanted to go to Grace Cottage um, because she felt more safe there. Wow. But they, there was, the state was arguing that um, 
she could stay in Ferris. And so it was a whole thing. It wasn't my case, but it was wow. a thing. I wish I was, and I don't mean this to sound rude or anything or ignorant, but I wish I was around for the conversations. For the, how did that pan out? I don't remember the outcome because this was so the youth was in Kent County. So the case was happening in Kent County um, and then COVID happened. So everyone kind of like was on lockdown. But so the part of the argument was that the the room that they were going to put this youth in was essentially like a closet. Wow. <laughs> so they're going to say, oh, well, really, she's really locked up. Yeah, she's fine <laughs> in this closet <laughs> with wow. boys. So it was a thing. Wow. I didn't know that. I, I didn't think that that was something that uh, hit the juvenile justice or whatever we call it now, juvenile justice system yet. Yeah, so, I mean, we're moving away from juvenile um, justice. So, we like to say the youth system. The youth system. Yes. Why? Um, Why not juvenile justice system? For, well, for one, we don't even say justice system anymore because the system is not just. There's no justice for those accused. There's no justice for those that are victim as crimes because we know our system um, is more than flawed. Um, so that's one thing. So it's the criminal legal system first. Um, second, um, they've, they've done studies that show that um, juvenile is related when people think of juvenile they think of crime and they think of juvenile diabetes and so we're trying to take away the negative connotation with juvenile so we no longer use that and we say youth sounds good <laughs> so moving on to um the next part of the, that question before we actually get into like the actual defense things and things that have changed and things that people need to no, the thing that I want to bring awareness to is uh, black people, right? So you mm -hmm. said something about diversity. First thing, how much schooling goes into actually becoming a lawyer? Like, how much schooling did you have to? A lot. So speak on that because, <laughs> like, because I, um, I will never be an advocate for schooling because I, I'll be, I'm not a part of. I don't like to promote anything if I'm not really, really, truly behind it. But I'm an advocate of, uh, like, if you want to do it. You got to do whatever comes with it. So yeah. if you want to be a lawyer, so like you, you have to. Yeah, you, you got to go to school. <laughs> so you can't tell me, oh man, I want to be a successful businessman and never go through a hard time, but you, but you want to be a successful businessman. Yeah. So anything that you want to do, you just got to do it with your best efforts and get through it. So how much schooling actually comes behind being a lawyer? A lot. So you have to graduate uh, high school. You have to graduate college. Um, and then you have to, well, while you're still in college, you have to take what's called the LSAT. I do not remember the acronym for the LSAT because it's been so long, so please do not ask me. But you have to take the LSAT. That's like an entrance exam, kind of like the SATs um, for college. But you have to take the LSAT um, and then law school. And that's either three years if you go full-time or four years if you go part-time. Um, and then after law school, you then have to take a bar exam to become a licensed practicing attorney. For any attorney. So this is like Correct. for any attorneys? Even yeah, if so I want you can graduate law school and have a law degree. Um, and it's a doctorate degree. Um, but you are not a an attorney. You just until, have a degree. So until you actually pass that test, yeah. you, just, you just have a law degree. Correct. I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I never knew that. What about... Uh, black people like so what i mean by black people do you find there being a shortage of black attorneys yes and what do you think i mean you might not know the answer to this but what do you think is the reason behind 
us, like especially black men. Are there black men? Like a lot. There of are. So do you want? Do I think there's a shortage in Delaware or nationwide? Both. Um, Reason mainly Delaware though. Yes. So there, yes in Delaware. But what about nationwide? We're growing in numbers, but still less compared to white. Why do you think that is? And I'm only going to ask because I think that's a great career choice. If I mean, if, I mean, if you're interested in it, but it's, I think it's a great career choice. Some might, some of these kids might not deem that as successful because they just look at you like you're either going to lock me up or you're not, not understanding everything that goes behind it. Mm -hmm. But to me, understanding pay and understanding like career choices, I think it's a good career. But why do you think it isn't like that in our community? Uh, I think it's super expensive. And I think lack of awareness. Uh, so a lot of people in Delaware, and I, I think probably nationwide, a lot of my white counterparts, they are second, third, fourth generation attorneys. And that's like what they know. And majority of black attorneys, we're all like first generation. Very rarely do you see a, a second generation attorney. I don't think I've ever seen a third generation attorney. So we just don't know much about it. We're not really educated on like that being a realistic career path for us, I think is one thing. And then two, it's so expensive. Like we are still like college is just very expensive for a lot of people. Getting out of high school to getting to college is still I think a big barrier for minorities. But then after that, like I was blessed enough that my parents paid for undergrad, but they were like, whatever you do after that, like that's on you. Mm -hmm. um, so law still, school. That's still, like, but that's still, yeah. trust me, that's still a, a lot. <laughs> yeah. Still seems a lot of money. <laughs> that was. So just for law school, I'm in $150,000 debt just for three years of law school. God. So that is a major barrier for people. That's, so that's just for school. Then to become like a licensed attorney, you have to, everyone tells you you need to take a, um, like a prep course to pass the bar. The prep course is $1,500. Um, then they say for Delaware, because Delaware is the hardest bar exam in the nation, um, you need to do like additional study courses. So that's like another $250, $500 there. Um, the actual cost of the exam itself, I think when I took it, it's like $500, and then if you're late, if you submit your application late, it's like $800 just for the exam God. to use your laptop, which you have, like, I don't know, people that handwrite their exam, I don't know how they ever pass. Um, so to use your laptop is like another $250. So it's, <laughs> so it is... God. It is crazy expensive, so um, it's just impractical. So people, a, a lot of people are coming in. So a lot of my um, friends that are attorneys that weren't fortunate to either get a scholarship or had their parents pay for undergrad or didn't get a scholarship or have someone help finance for law school. I know people that are in $300,000 debt, $250,000 debt. So it's like, why? why? <laughs> for what? Not just yeah, I mean it's hard to argue that they don't have like scholarships and and things of that nature to assist. There are scholarships, but if you think about it, um, there are scholarships that's out there. Um, and now, since 
after COVID, since now everyone wants to care about black and brown people, there are more um, opportunities for getting like people that attend HBCUs, getting them into um, law school. So there are more opportunities now. Um, but majority of people that are applying to law school, going to law school, are already the top of their class or we're already very competitive mm -hmm. and doing very well academically. Um, so you're already competing against high level people mm -hmm. and law school itself, um, now I heard it's changing, which I have feelings on, but law school is a competition. Like your grades, back when, now I sound old, but, but back when I was in school. She's only like 30. 32. <laughs> <laughs> When I was in school, you had one grade a semester, and that was your final. Mm -hmm. And your final is, uh, you're graded against everyone in your class. Um, so literally, your grade is a competition on who does the best on the test. And if you're, at, um, if you're below a certain percentage, you get asked not to come back at the end of the year. Wow. So it's like, it's, it's, all, it's overachieving people is law school fighting for a very small percentage of but scholarships. that's real life though. Very much. So I mean, it's like you can be upset with it or you can understand like once mm -hmm. you once you get in somewhere, I mean, it's, it's kind of the same thing because yeah. how are lawyers judged by wins and losses or are they judged by how are they, how are they, like how how do y'all how how are y'all judged like to be okay, like I want lawyers, I want Miss Chapman I think it depends on the area of practice and um, like where you're at. So for a lot of private firms, it's about how much money you're bringing into the firm. And then like if you're in personal injury, it, wins or losses matters yeah, because you're getting paid. You get paid if your client wins. Um, for defense attorneys, they can't charge, for private defense attorneys, you can't charge based off your win-loss record in the same way that a um, personal injury attorney can. Um, but I, but they use it to make it sound like, oh, pick me. Mm -hmm. But I, it, depend, it depends on what space that you're working in. Because then if you're in tra transactional law, which is like contract writing and stuff like that, or um, uh, people that do patent law, mm -hmm. um, that's really about bringing business okay. to the firm. So are, are you a second generation lawyer? No. So what made you want to be a lawyer? Um, it was a long winding journey. But if, if, you know what somebody, you know, before you answer, I think somebody's like, yo, hey Paige, you should be a lawyer. He was like, why? Because this is the most competitive job you will ever have. You literally get to compete every single day. No. I kind of see that happening in your life. No. So actually, um, my mother used to say that I should be an attorney because I would always Argue. talk back. I could see that. And I got in trouble a lot. I could see that. <laughs> I could see that. Why am I not surprised? I'm not surprised But I didn't have interest in it. But uh, it wasn't until um, I think my junior year in undergrad I took a constitutional law class because I was a political science major and it was in that and learning about rights and realizing how people really don't know what their rights are that's what got me interested so why juveniles well why youth there I'm sorry I'm sorry um, youth. So let me correct myself I'm gonna, stop, I'm, gonna stop. I'm gonna say youth so I got interested in youth defense um, once I was already in law school I was interning with the public defender's office I was back for my second summer so I got to be a law clerk in our family court unit. And so I was hands-on working with the attorneys representing kids. And it's a 
the law is the same, but it's a completely different practice working with youth than adults, and so I just fell in love. Okay, and you said something about the attorney's office. So is there a difference, because there might not be a difference, but is there a difference between going private and so you work for the state of Delaware? Correct. Or just having a state-appointed attorney? Because to me, and from what the things I've heard youth say, is, well, they just, I'm just a case, I'm just a number. Uh, I'm just a file that they have to get done. Is that kind of the case? Is that the situation here in Delaware or no? No. The difference is you are throwing away your money paying for a private attorney. <laughs> no, there are very there are some very good private attorneys. But no, um, to set the record straight, uh, the the attorneys that work in the public defender's office, we are licensed practicing attorneys. In order to be an attorney at the public defender's office, you had to have gone to law school and get a degree. You had to pass the same bar exam that you're paying. $2,500 for that private attorney. Um, the only difference is majority of the people that work at the public defender's office are very passionate and very committed to representing people that cannot afford to hire an attorney themselves. Okay, so let's, let's come up with a scenario because I'm trying to see how involved you guys are in comparison to a uh, private. Because I know private, you have to seek them where you get appointed as soon as they get locked up, correct? Yeah, so... Um, and it's the same for adults and kids. So yeah, as soon as you are, for youth, as soon as they are arrested at the JP court and they are, um, their bail is set to a secured amount, our office automatically gets involved. As an adult, as soon as you are arrested and they remand you to Gander Hill, um, our office will, regardless of your income status, our office automatically assumes you're indigent and we um, immediately get involved. Is there benefits? Are, are there what's the pros and cons, if you don't mind me asking? Of mm -hmm. uh, just because I'm just trying to find out the difference between private and state appointed. What's the pros and cons of what's the pros and cons of having a state opposed to uh, private? Yeah. So um, the pro is. You don't have to pay for anything. So um, speaking on the youth, because it gets a little murky with adults because there's the whole income thing that will kind of determine whether or not you qualify. Um, but so for one, youth in Delaware, regardless of income status, youth are um, guaranteed an attorney and our office is the ones appointed to represent every kid in the state of Delaware. So that's number one. Number two, um, for youth, we are specially trained um, to represent kids. Because like I said earlier, um, even though the law is the same, so a rape is a rape is a rape, regardless of the age of the um, perpetrator, um, youth defense, practicing in, in youth court is very different and it's a specialized practice. Um, versus you go out and get a private attorney who's just interested in the money that you can provide but mainly works in superior court. They don't really know what they're doing um, in family court because it's a different practice. Two, uh, or three, with um, my office, regardless of if, you, if it's a youth or an adult, um, we are very fortunate compared to other public defenders offices in the nation. We are funded um, through the state legislature. We are a statewide um, office, so we have more funds than a lot of places and so we very regularly are hi hiring expert doctors. Um, we have on staff 
I cannot remember their acronym because they change it all the time, but we have essentially what are like social workers that we assign to a lot of our cases. I use them on just about all of my cases that work with us on drafting mitigation reports, getting um, for kids like getting their IEP records, getting their medical uh, history records, um, all those things that we use to write reports that we use in negotiating um, stuff with the prosecutor or that we're going to use in sentencing to arguing for a lighter sentence for our stuff, um, for our clients. Um, all those things. We also have what's called PFJs, which are they're non-attorneys and they help with all the things that we can't do because we're focused on criminal work. So for our people that can't get um, their license and probation does not help you with that, even though they're no, supposed they to. No, they don't. Um, they're the ones that are. From what I heard. Yeah. <laughs> They're the ones that are going to help you get um, your license. You're having issues with um, your social security or with benefits. They're going there with you, helping you fill out applications, getting people on the phone. So we pro provide a holistic defense that you're not going to get at a private firm. And if your private attorney um, is going to get like an expert for your case for whatever reason, you're paying for that and an expert doctor, for example, to do a report charges like $600 an hour. So it sounds like to me you get a lot more bang for your buck. You do. When you go for free. You do. So you said something about superior court and you said family court. Are they two different things? Yes. What's the difference between those two? So superior court is the adult felony trial level court in the state of Delaware. For youth? For adults. Oh, for adults. Okay. Um, the court of common pleas is the misdemeanor trial level court for adults and then family court is um, for all criminal cases, regardless of misdemeanor or felonies, for youth, and for adult domestic violent criminal cases are in family court. What do you think plays the biggest part? I have my uh, guesses, but would you probably have a little bit more data to support it? Community environment, lost uh, lack of fathers. Like, what plays the bit? All right, instead of me asking that, how many offenders do you get? Can I call them an offenders? No. I can't I, call them offenders? If I was a prosecutor, I'd say call them offenders. But All right, how many youth? All right, I'm sorry. Yes. I need to call them offenders. So <laughs> that's where I'm back. How many youth that you service or you see daily uh, have no father or a lack of father? Like, or like you like know what I mean? not in the home? Not, not around at all. Because like, not being in the home, I mean, I don't want to say that's a norm because I, I, I hate saying stuff like that. But that's kind of, it's to some to some kids, it is a norm, mm -hmm. but like just not having the father around at all. You can say, you can speak on not in the home, like whatever best answers the question. But I'm just gonna say, which does that play a part in, you know, kids offending? Like, does data support that? So I would say majority, um, but then I would add to that or put an asterisk with that that I think the problem is. Because there are cases where it's the mom, so it'll it's either one or both parents are not in the home, um, and it's they're being raised. They're either in DFS custody or it's a um, grandparent or other family member that's representing or parenting them. So you said it could be a, a difference between like sometimes his mothers, sometimes his fathers. Mm -hmm. What plays a part? Like, what are the crimes that you get the most? Like, are you getting like low-level offend? I keep saying offenders. Are you getting low-level youth, <laughs> or are you getting like 
You can say offenses. Okay, are you getting low-level offensives? Like, so do you get kids that stole a car? Or do you get kids that I get the whole, shot somebody? I get the whole gambit. Uh, it it kind of feels like... So our cases are randomly assigned, but it, it kind of feels like I get a lot of... Um, I have a he heavy felony caseload. Um, and with that, it's there's an uptick in gun cases. And on the misdemeanor, so the low-level offenses, it's probably consistently always like an offensive touching or disorderly conduct. Like what's, a, what's offensive touching? Like somebody getting into a fight? Yeah. Y'all get, y'all, hold on, hold on. So you would have to defend someone who maybe beat up somebody in school? Uh, prison, school to prison pipeline, yes. Wow, they get y'all involved for that? I remember when, we, when I was a kid, I'm making myself sound like old, but I remember when I was a kid, it was a fight it was a fight. You just probably stayed away from each other. You both got suspended. Now, now they want to criminalize youth. And then you know how back in the day it used to be like a big fight where multiple people get it? Now that's a riot and that's a felony. So, yeah. Are you serious? What, what caused that change? The what caused that change? The prison pipeline. I mean, so. Hold on. So, so if five of my friends, we got an issue with five guys and we fight. I'm going somewhere with this. And we fight at a party. And. People find out about it, it's not a big deal. But if we fight in school, it's considered a riot? Is that what you're telling yes, me? Yes, they're gonna charge you guys with riot. What's the reason behind it? Like, what's the logic behind it? Doesn't it make sense? <sighs> did I mean, did, I mean like, did something happen? Like, was it like a. No, I mean, I, I think that goes back to racist politics, quite honestly. But, um, you know, the rise with um, the school resource officers has yeah. been a problem, and schools are now really disinterested in trying to solve issues in school and it's easier for them to wow. yeah <laughs> Yo, that's crazy that's so when you say prison pipeline what does that mean exactly so that's because i've heard that term from dr umar johnson i've heard it from yeah. a lot of people but I, I really say dr umar johnson because sometimes i do listen to his material and he speaks on that a lot and how he tries to get kids off of ieps things of that nature and getting them away from the prison but pipeline. sometimes i I mean, an IEP that can that can kind of be a controversial conversation, but that it um, that can save Some a kids. lot of kids. Yeah. So that's not necessarily uh, a, bad thing. a bad thing. What about the prison pipeline, though? Like, what, is, um, what is it? So that's basically talking about how school is no longer really just a place for education, and that we are turning our school systems and our schoolhouses into basically like a mini prison, a mini incarceral system of putting in um, metal detectors, that we have police presence in there and that um, depending on the location of, your, of the school, that um, RSO functions differently. So at a more, um, at a school, out in the suburbs that's majority white that resource officer is a bit more friendlier he's there to <laughs> protect the students from outside threats a school in inner city majority black and brown kids that officer sees those students as the threat and is there looking to arrest and incarcerate those students I worked in a school 
Hardy High. Let me shout out Hardy High. I worked at Hardy High, where uh, it was an inner city kid. We didn't have a what you call it SRO. Yeah, we didn't have a SRO. I didn't see the need of it. So, do you think? Just yes or no question. And I know yes or no questions are hard for you because you're a lawyer. But do you think that schools necessarily? I don't want to say need them, but do you think that that is that you think they're needed? No. But I mean, I agree with you because I, I think I think when you you're setting a you're setting a tone sometimes. Like when you have when you come into a school, the first thing I see is an officer say, "Hey, give me a book bag. Let me yeah. go do this. Let me do that." Because metal detectors, I really, I mean, I, I I try to say I understand why they have them, but at the same time, I don't because I don't see kids in the inner cities. I don't want to speak on like mass shootings because that's I don't want to get into that. But I don't see that happening. At these schools, and that's something I don't know because you know everything's not on the news. Is that something that happens in in these urban schools? I haven't seen them. I'm being serious. It, no, what mass shooting? Like no, I'm serious. Like, that, like you really don't think that there, there's any need for a, I don't SRO officer? Like no, no. Even if they cool, like even if they like come and they like no, because why? You there's already a. Um, like the, what do they call it, like behavioral intervention? You got deans, you got principals. I mean, yeah, yeah. you got a lot. So why, why are we criminalizing behavior that's really, um, one, appropriate for the school to punish and deal with because that's why you have a student code of conduct. But two, this is typical teen behavior. Like, teen boys are going to fight regardless. I agree. No, I agree with you. I just wanted to see what your response was. Sorry. So let's get back into. Uh, you said uh, jail, juvenile, youth jail. You feel as though. So, is there a difference between uh, being in jail and in prison? I know in in youth, it's. Correct me if it's changed. Is jail and adjudication, correct? Well, adjudication is that you've been, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've so been you've been found, adjudicated, yeah. right? But that sends them to prison. Yes. Right. So you feel like Ferris is a prison. Prison. Yes. What is? <laughs> <laughs> Let's be very clear. Yes. Because I mean, as much as I mean, people that don't know, I worked at Ferris, right? So I never, I kind of see why you say it's a prison. But I kind of disagree with it being a prison, outside of not being able to go home. You're you're handcuffed. You're in a locked cell. Not when you're no, nah, you're not. You're like never they're, ever. They're, your doors lock. Yeah, Dude, no, no, they're, I, I agree with that. Their no, cells no. lock at night. But or it's still not in there. jail. Well, first of all, jail in the traditional sense, jail is uh, a pretrial place. So Gander Hill is like jail, and then Smyrna. Is prison because right, right. you're there after sentencing. So, so, so the detention center would jail. be jail, and, and Ferris, Ferris is prison. Grace, all the cottages will be considered the adjudication. Well, yeah, Ferris well, only be considered the jail because it's the only. Ferris would five. be yeah, would be right. the prison. But I don't really consider that a, a jail though, Paige, and you're, and you might disagree. Why? I, I think it's a. I think it's a. I'm about to sound stupid. I think it's a jail. Like when you when you think of level five. This is where they go for six months to a year. But I don't think of jail due to conditions. But you might disagree, but outside of them not being able to go home, 
There's PlayStations. There's things that I mean, nature. adults have that. Nah, the adults have PlayStations and things like that. I don't know if they have PlayStations, but they're on the internet. They have like dating they can profiles play football. and stuff like that. Out in the yard. They can play football. They can lift weights. Yes, they do that out in the yard in prison. They can play on teams. Well, that, I, I mean, think they, they really do get a second though, chance like, when they go to. I'm messing with you, man. <laughs> the whole, this whole time you thought I was serious. No, nah, I'm messing with you. I, I disagree with you. I actually do not. I actually was watching something, right? Because I was, I was just trying to get you right up. <laughs> I was uh, watching something where they were saying how uh, the United States of America over criminalizes yes. everybody, and we over sentence, uh, we over sentence people. More than any other country. I think in the we world. have like the most people incarcerated, incarcerated than any yeah, other. That's why I said I was joking with you. I didn't want to. Do I was just trying to get your reaction. And all the people are like, people probably listening, like, oh my god, this dude is cruel. And I was messing with you the whole time. But with that, with that said, like, what does your office do to assist that change? Because I think somebody has to be an agent of change in order for it to change. Otherwise, it's going to stay the same. So. A scratch everybody. I was joking. I do not. <laughs> Ferris is a jail. I work there. It's a jail. But I think, based off of numbers, based off of uh, statistics, I think it can change. And based off of numbers and statistics in other areas of the world, like that aren't struggling with the uh, amount of incarceration that we deal with, I think it needs to change. So I say all that, and I was getting to how or what is how is your office changing it or what is your office doing to, you know, be a change agent? Because I don't think you would be working there if y'all, yeah. if every day you had to come to work and you couldn't fight for these kids and you just were locking them up, locking them up, locking them up. So I think on the the day-to-day on the ground work is fighting in every case for um, to not either working out a um, Negotiating a plea offer so that it doesn't result in a sentence that's at Ferris or taking cases to trial because the prosecutor isn't going to go down on the offer. We think it's a weak enough case or you don't have anything to lose anyway. We think that's ridiculous. So we're going to fight for you to the end um, with that. Or at sentencing, we are doing reports, we are writing uh, like sentencing memos to the judge about why this child shouldn't go to fair, shouldn't go to um, whatever level four facility. Um, legislatively, we um, try to advocate and work towards ending minimum mandatory sentencing, putting more it's, discretion. Oh, before you keep going, they still have that? Minimum mandatory sentencing? Yes. Wow. Yes. I thought that, I, I see, because I remember them entertaining getting rid of that. Like that was like ten years ago, but that's still a thing. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. So we're still fighting. And you can explain what mandatory. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. minimum mandatory sentences mean um, it takes discretion out of the judge um, and makes it so if you are found guilty or plead guilty to this particular charge, you must serve by statute this certain amount of time um, before you're eligible for. Which we know may go over but that's a whole other conversation for for legislators <laughs> so you keep going what you were saying about um about legislators like yeah so we we um like work or advocate towards getting rid of minimum mandatory sentencing um so judges have more discretion um in sentencing um 
personally, I, I like to fancy myself as part of the camp um, that's called like abolitionists. So that's the fight towards completely getting rid of um, the incarceral system altogether in the nation. Um, so what would be the uh, alternative then? Um, just different. I'm not services. against it. I just because I mean something got to change because we're yeah. locking people up like so like crazy. And our crime, we're, I think we're a lot aggressive here due to like I'm gonna give you a story, and I hope, don't lose your train of thought. Mm -hmm. But I think we're a lot more aggressive than we need to be. So because mm -hmm. I don't think jail works, mm -hmm. I'm a, I will tell you that forever. So I actually kind of agree with you. But I've seen one of the softest. I mean, the littlest punk kid ever. And I'm using, I'm explaining him the nicest way I could. Yeah. Little five foot nothing, little punk of a kid comes in, right? Like innocent, hey, how you doing, Mr. Todd? Like just the nicest kid ever. Starts to get bullied, starts to, because what ends up happening when you get bullied, you start to look for protection. So, so, you, so you kind of protection. I, I'm saying protection, but what I really mean is you start to look for circles to where it will change. Yeah. So I, I start off hanging with Paige and listening to staff and everything's cool. And then I'm starting to get punched in the face. People starting to steal my snacks. So these are, th these are real things that happen. Yes. People don't understand this. Yes. Like, would you take that same kid and then maybe two, three months later, he's talking back. He's dissing. You're like, yo, who, who, who are you? And it's like, he has to survive, you know, the area he's in, which in return, what ends up happening is these kids that he would have never crossed paths with, would have never met, made him worse. One, two, he's actually going home now, linking up with these kids and things of that nature. But what would be an alternative? Because I actually understand that when kids get locked up, they actually get worse. Kids and adults, but especially kids. Yeah. So to that, I just want to say that there are actually studies and statistics that prove or illustrate exactly what you're saying. So it's, um, and I can't remember the numbers, but it's like for every day um, a kid is locked up, they're, um, the, the percentage of them uh, reoffending, the recidivism rate goes up by like some exponential number. As a study with that? Yes. And they're still not doing anything to change it? Yes. That and makes then, sense. And also to your point where you are putting kids that um, you're putting a kid that has like it's a first time offender or that has like a low level misdemeanor offense with kids that are um, frequent flyers as we like yeah, to call them. Real gangsters. <laughs> Graduated already. That have serious level offenses. You're like teaching them how to become I agree. criminals. I agree. Um, so there are actual studies that support what you have already experience and witnessed um, anecdotally. Um, so to that, that's why incarceration is not the answer and that's why we need more resources poured into social services um, and resources for kids and for their family because shipping a kid away and for example on the converse where we have a kid that is a frequent offender that is defending with serious felony offenses um, they go away, they go up to Detroit, and they do phenomenal. And they are actively engaged in counseling. They follow the rules. They're thriving under this structure. And then you send them back home to chaos where they um, don't have someone home to provide structure. 
they have to go out and they're on the streets because they have to help provide food or because they don't know when yeah, their I next mean, meal is going to. You got to eat. I get it. Yeah, where they have to go in. They're on the streets to survive. Um, and you wonder why they're reoffending because you didn't provide any support. You didn't provide any services for the family. Do, does that stuff play a part when. All right. So because like you were saying, something like alternative. So I know like GPS, things of that nature. Does, does stuff like that play a part in sentencing? What do you mean? Like, so, because uh, you were saying something earlier about IEPs and schools and all that. So I'm assuming if you have access to all these things, does that help or hurt a kid during sentencing? Because, like, if you're, if, I'm, if you're representing me, you can say, well, well, Your Honor, uh, Joe got caught with drugs because his mother makes $2 an hour and she's gone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does that, does things of that nature, I'm not commending, I'm not telling anybody to go. To go sell drugs and Please say, well, stop. my mom broke. It's not what I'm Please doing. But does it help the case? Like, if they're legit, if, like, if you can legitimately vouch for a person, like, say, like, yeah, man, like, I, I get, I don't agree with him doing it, but. Yeah. And so, um, since you brought up IEP, sometimes because you have an IEP, depending on what the offense is, or because of your mental health history, or because, um, your mom was a drug addict and you were born cracked addicted and so now you have all of these or you were born addicted to alcohol um so you now have all of these complications that sometimes will get a case dropped um because of x y and z or because going back to uh school to prison pipeline because you have an iep and um you are in math class and the teacher wasn't following the like supports that you needed and so you spazzed out in class because you weren't understanding what was going on and they want to arrest you for terroristic threatening and disorderly conduct but we found out through your IEP that it's really the school's fault because they didn't do X, Y, and Z. There's really no basis for the charge. Um, so it kind of works out like that. What would be an alternative for, 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 for uh, incarceration? I mean I know community I know community like Resources, but what type of resources will be alternative? Are you a fan of the GPS? Before we get to that, yes and no. Um, I'm a fan of it because it keeps you home. Outside of that, I don't like it because it's too, like because it, it's because it's like I'm a because it's used as like leverage. Like so, I, I know where you was at. You know, it's like like that's I like not it why I have it on. For leverage, as in for some of my serious kids that I'm yeah. able to keep out of jail. And like, see, they can follow rules, yes, they yes. can do things, uh, yes. so let's put them on probation right. um, because they've shown a history of compliance. Um, but um, for some kids, which I've learned in different like um, trainings that I've been to, because we'll use like, let's get this kid out, let's put them on GPS, let's put them on house arrest, let's do X, Y, and Z to get a judge to release them. But then when you look back, like this kid has ADHD and this kid has X, Y, and Z, but sometimes that's setting that kid up for failure because yeah, I agree. Um, their pretrial worker wants to um, violate them on technical violations because they're not charging their GPS properly. But he's not, not charging his GPS because he's saying, screw pretrial, I don't give a shit. He's not charging his GPS because he can't regularly get his medication. So he can't self-regulate. So he doesn't have the executive functioning skills to know, all right, every day at six o'clock, I gotta sit down for an hour to charge my GPS unit. Or when I'm sitting down to charge my GPS unit, I'm going freaking insane because I don't have like the ability to sit still. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so that then 
hurts the kid. So that's why I'm kind of like, it could go. So what 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 alternative would you would you uh would you put in place then? I'm just trying to think of some right now, and I really can't think of any outside of sports for guys and for girls. Sports for girls too. I mean, but yeah, yeah. I mean, you play sports. But what I mean, I mean, like, I mean, I guess that kind of. I mean, I just don't really think of it that way. That's why not. I don't know. I can't help it. Cause you like, should. Like I know, and I know. Because if I ever had a daughter, I would definitely put her in sports because I understand the importance of sports and what it does. It gives you a community of sometimes positive peers. It gives you a community of a bunch of different things. But I just, I don't know. Like maybe I need to retrain my brain. Sometimes I just, when I think of sports, I think of football. So I just think of God. Oh well, you need to think of all sports because I one know. thing I didn't realize. I was talking to my mom. We were talking about like girls in high school, and she was saying. I mean, my parents were big on sports, so. It was just always something that I was going to have to do. But my mom was like, one reason, like, we kept you so busy with sports and different extracurricular activities. You didn't have time actually, to have boy, uh, like, boy drama or doing different things. You didn't have time to have these dumb girl fights other than, like, stuff that goes on, like, within a team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because you were too busy. You had... I had to have um, like straight A's or high A's and B's and be on the honor roll. Well, you sound like you kind of following one of that for yourself anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, because I was also competitive. <laughs> and like I had practices and I had games or I was, you know, I mean, so. But you, that would take some retraining because I, I, like somebody who actually plays sports never, I've never worked around uh, young women other outside of high school neither. So I've never like even. It sounds kind of ignorant, but I never thought like females and sports. I always just thought like working and like doing something like hair. And it sounds, I'm, I really do sound cruel, but I'm not being, but I'm just like, like these are the things that I've been exposed to. Like, like my nieces and they all want to do like hair. Like they want to do things of that nature. So I never really, I don't know. My dad like, had me never like, really thought sports for females in the so summer. Much. Yeah. In the summer we were, um, my dad would have me up five o'clock in the morning. We were going down to the track to go do sprints and then field hockey. You're probably the only people out there. Yeah, and then after that, I either had a camp, I either had basketball camp or field hockey camp, um, and then uh, an evening workout session, and the same thing with Little my Giants. brother. Yeah. You ever seen Little Giants? Yeah, that used to be my movie. <laughs> I wanted. To, I can't think of her name, but Icebox. I wanted to Ice see Rock. her so her, bad. Oh my God! I'm not surprised at all. So how how involved? How fast do y'all get involved in your office? Um, immediately. So, um, well, Icebox. It depends. <laughs> <laughs> if a kid is that is hilarious. I'm gonna start calling you Icebox. If a kid is detained, um, upon their initial arrest, we're there immediately. If you're not detained by your um, arraignment date. We are involved. Uh, you're funny. I just think about this icebox. I'm sorry. I didn't even hear your response. I'm sitting here. I'm sitting here laughing so much. Cause I'm sitting here. The whole time you was talking, I'm like, oh, her. She was really busy. Little icebox over here. I heard tackling boys if, if you could. Like, why don't you think about sports? I don't know. I just don't think about sports. But I do have a question for you, right? Because um, this kind of goes into change. And something that I think needs to change probably won't change is uh what's the best way to put this something i need to change but probably won't change is supervision right and I, what i mean by supervision supervision from like a lot of different angles and my biggest one is social media mm. how involved are you guys with 
and this might sound this might be a stupid question but how involved are you guys with like social media when it comes to these kids like is it because somebody told me they're like yeah man well, they got like units that actually watch the social media and they do oh that was true yes and the whole time i'm like no nah, i disagree no, they very much so like you get criminalized for posting something yes y'all hear that kids you stupid little it's like nah no stop my on camera stop <laughs> posting yourself with a gun even if it's a BB gun, because they can't tell on Instagram until they get a search warrant and they tear up your mom or your grandma's house, stop posting videos with you and a gun, smoking weed, rapping Lil Durk, cut it out. Please stop. Stop after you commit a robbery, then getting on Instagram in the same damn clothes you wore when you committed the robbery with the $200 that you took from the robbery and posting it on Instagram. So that's a real thing. Yes. Please wow. stop. Please stop. Wow. So, wow. I'm, I'm, I'm like I'm really surprised that that's so. They, so, do, so here's a question. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, you kind of. Oh, well, you kinda, here's the other thing. And stop making your profile public and stop accepting people that you don't know on your page. They be thinking it's a pretty girl though. Stop. So that's kind she of. She doesn't so want you. So She's then. not real. So it's true then. So they use this stuff 200%. against them. Two hundred percent. In court, like so, they can literally print up a picture of somebody holding a gun, yes. and they can hold and like and and I legally. I have multiple cases right now. But legally, can be held against them. So I mean, that's just one part of the evidence. I know, but that's still a big part. Yeah. So if I could, if somebody could say, I seen a guy, a kid, I seen a little black kid with nappy head, because you know kids, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not trying to be funny. That's no, how they yes, yes, head. He had on a red shirt, black pants, and he's the one that stuck me up with a gun. These kids, these idiots. And I don't mean to say idiots to be smart, but these idiots would then go post. Yes. And they can use that against you. 20 minutes after the damn robbery. <laughs> but that just shows you that the world has changed, though, because if you really pay attention, I think getting away, getting caught, I don't know. I just think, like, people are celebrated from coming home from jail. Mm -hmm. And I want to tell a story. I'm not going to say his name because if he hears this, he's probably going to be like, yo, Joe, you're a POS. <laughs> But I got invited. I'm dead serious, man. I got invited to a party. And people were like, oh, that's whack. You ain't no real nigga or whatever. I don't, I really don't care. But I got invited to a party. A friend came home from jail. He was gone for like 10 years. I'm like, dog, I'm not trying to be ignorant, but I'm not. Why? Why should I go? Like, now that you're home, to me, and you might think that I'm crazy for thinking this way, but like, to me, it's like, now that you're home, like, because here's what happened. You live with your mom now. And not, I don't mean, there's nothing wrong with living with your mom. You got to do what you got to do. So you live with your mom. You have a son you ain't seen. I can go on and on with that list of things that I think are way more important than people coming together and saying, my boy came home from jail. But I think I'm the only person that, I know I'm not the only person that thinks that way, but I'm probably the only person that was thinking that way to say, dog, I'm not coming to celebrate you being home when you got this long list of things that need to be done but it doesn't have to be like a celebration of like yay you're home but it's, it was a yay but it's like but it's more so you know how screwed up prison is how that psychologically fucks people up mm -hmm. so it's more like i'm here this is your tribe this is your community this is your support you have a lot of shit to do probation is not going to help you they're really there just to watch you fail to then get you right back caught up in the cycle so this is a not a pat on the back but hey let's not 
think about all the terrible things or the terrible decisions that put you in this situation, but like, I'm here as a support. Now let's move forward to do better. I agree, but I disagree because to me to acknowledge what, what's the best way to put it? So I tell people, I used to tell the kids all the time uh, when I worked at Ferris, like nobody's gonna take care of your mom when you're going. I just used to run down all the mm -hmm. things that like, you don't really see that who's affected by this, but the person I'm talking about in particular, like, like you didn't see what your mom went through. Like you didn't see all the things that happened. And then when you came home, this person locked up for murder too. And it's like when you came home when I seen you. 10 years? No, 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 now. Like, so he came home and now he's locked up for murder. Oh. So he reoffended. Oh. Yeah, so, but like, it's like when you came home, I'm in my mind, like, I get it. Like, don't get me wrong, so I don't want nobody to see me, but oh, you're a weirdo. Like, I don't care if they say that, but it's like, I get it. But it's like, you got so much. I mean, this dude wasn't home three days. Like, I'm like, dog, like, this is on your to-do list for being home. That's why I didn't go. Like, it has nothing. I, I went to go see the guy. Like, I'm not going to say his name. I went to go see the guy. Like, we talked. Mm -hmm. He actually thanked me, like, for being distant from him. Because when he started acting crazy, I like, no, I'm not. I'm not yeah. on that. Like, you tripping. But it was like, you've been home. I, I want to say he was home. I, I know he wasn't home for a week. So, in my mind, I was in a different space. I'm thinking, like, like, dog, you got a lot to do. And partying, to me, just, like, yeah. after being home three, four days, like, that's just not, I don't want to be around that. And rightfully so. I'm glad I didn't go. Yeah. But he ended up getting locked. I, I'm not even talking. I don't think he was home two years, and now he's locked in for murder. That's but nice. that's kind of why. Because it's like, if we keep supporting it, and like, people don't look at it this deep, and maybe I'm weird for looking at it this deep, but if we keep supporting uh, the in and out, in and out, in and out. Dog, my baby home, my friend home. If you keep supporting that, why would it stop? And no, maybe, maybe I'm wrong for thinking this way, but again, this kid, the no, same I, person locked up for murder now. I agree with that. I'm just think talking on the the mental health. Oh yeah, I ain't thinking. I'm not thinking that like, deep. I feel you though, but I'm not thinking that deep. <laughs> but but I didn't know that social media played a part in what well, could play a part in sentences so you learn something new every day so if i didn't know that i'm sure you idiots didn't know that stop, so posting, stop posting on social media and then i have a question right because <laughs> yeah. so like right now there's a uh a rico case going on with some people i don't want to speak on you you might know who i'm talking about gonna oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah i was just talking about that last night a little bit how not how do you feel about that because i don't care about that what no, I don't know them, and I'm not trying to be ignorant. Like that. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. They don't know me. I don't know them. Yeah. So there's no. I can't really get much out of that conversation. <laughs> but do you feel as though? Because they're both adults, mm -hmm. right? They're both over twenty. Do you feel as though kids? What is the legal? Before I ask my question, what is an adult in Delaware? What 18. age? Eighteen. All right. So do you feel as though kids over eighteen or under eighteen snitch? The most over eighteen. So you tell me that these young boys are holding down. Yes. Because I've, I've heard of this too. These fifteen and sixteen year olds are more thorough. Yes. Than these twenty two year olds, one hundred percent. And I, I'm glad. I, I only reason why I wanted to ask that is because I've heard, like, heard recently somebody has going to jail, perhaps maybe be going to jail, but it wasn't his charge, and I'm like, that doesn't make sense if it's not your charge. Why are you going to jail? And they're like, well, he's not going to snitch. I'm like, hold on, hold on. So give me, so he was with an adult. It's really, it's really happened. With an adult, 
and instead of the adult taking the charge, the adult is putting pressure on the kid to take the charge, but he really doesn't have to because the kid already made up his mind he wasn't going to snitch anyway. So you telling me basically a person who works with these people day in and day out, you're telling me 18 and under is less likely to snitch than 18 and over. Yes, and they are heartbroken. When they find out. Yes, when we play them, <laughs> they're Cody's interrogation. So how can all this stuff change? Like you said something about legislators. Because I would love to sit down with a legislator. But how can we really, really change? Like is it like protesting? Like holding up, like standing outside of state buildings saying, no, I don't we want change, we want change. Like how can we really change? Because it sounds like to me there has been a lot of productive changes. But how can we get real change? In the youth Legal system. Legal system. Or in the legal system in general. How, do, how can we get change? I mean, I think that's a hard question because it's, it's a lot. I think they're externally looking at... So, external things that need to change. Um, one is we have to... There has to be a whole overhaul of the current racist systems in which we all operate and work in. Um, so the legal system is racist, our medical system is racist, our educational system is racist, and they all are interconnected. Um, so Is it racist or money driven? Well, it's both because um, capitalism is racist. So <laughs> right. well, you, are, you, you, you pretty much answered that question. <laughs> so all that has to change, um, and I mean I think that's probably not as realistic. I don't think we will ever not be a capitalistic society. Um, it's, 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 it is what it is. Yeah, but so we need more resources and a changing of our educational structure because we can't have, I mean, as much as kids are doing these things, um, there are parents that have to take responsibility in the raising of their children, but we have parents that are dealing with intergenerational trauma that don't know how to read or write that can't get a job because of things like that so we have to fix from the external side fix provide more resources for people to improve but then internally within our communities I think we need to take in more looks and even though I love blaming racism on everything mm -hmm. like we have to do better within ourselves and change mentalities within ourselves as a people. Do you, well, do you think, uh, well, how, well, do you think we're on our way to change, like better change? No. no not at all? Uh, no. I mean, some days I... You can I, be honest with me, I don't know. Sometimes I like to feel that we are, and then Something I happens. get in the comments on, in the shade room. And I'm like, oh, you are dumb as shit. <laughs> you really thought, was, you really thought they was changing, <laughs> dummies. Like, no, yeah. no, I agree with you though. But I, I really would like to see change. I just don't know how to change. Like, so someone said, legislation is like where the real changes come and voting and stuff like that. Well, yeah, but you have to get people to stop. You have to get people to want to vote and to stop repeating stupid jargon that they repeat about how their vote doesn't matter or they're mad about this that and the third and you want to critique things on the um, 
federal level, I mean, which we should, but you don't even participate in your local election. You don't even know who's in your city council. And that those rules affect you more, more directly than who's president. And when we get mad about, uh, when people want to get mad about Obama and say, well, he wasn't a black president, he didn't do things for black people, which is asinine on so many different levels. But what you have to understand was, you didn't vote in the midterm election for the senators. So he didn't have a Congress to really do any legislation that he wanted to, especially his second term. So that was on you because you didn't vote for your, um, for your congressmen and your senators. So, I don't know. We ain't gonna be all day. <laughs> This is me. Well, I definitely thank you for coming to talk to me, uh, Icebox. Uh, this was fun because <laughs> I really like I I, I I like to bring awareness to things and and definitely with kids. Like I love kids. I think the more kids you change, yeah, the better our future looks. Yeah, and people don't think that way. Like people look at kids, like I, I think if Michael Jackson said kids are our future or something. And I didn't understand it when I was a kid. I'm like, what's this weirdo talking about? Because I thought Michael Jackson was weirdo. I don't think he's weirdo anymore. But I really, really like was like, yes, kids are our future. What's he talking about? But I really, now that I'm a little older and wiser, I understand like kids are our future. Mm -hmm. So the more impact we can have on kids, like getting kids to be lawyers, getting kids to be legislators, getting kids to vote, getting kids to just do a lot and stop committing crimes, the more change we will see. But I asked you a bunch of questions, mm -hmm. but I'm going to stop on this statement unless you have something to say after this. I don't believe real change will change. No, real change will come until people decide to change them. And I sound like I'm preaching. I like that. But I truly, no, nah, I'm serious. Like, I truly, like when I decided to stop drinking, smoking, blase, blase, like a list of a bunch of different things until I decided to actually clear my mind and think for myself, I didn't see a change. But when I, like, and you kind of can relate to this in sports. When you put your mind to something that to really get it done or to really do something, like that's when the change comes. So I say all that to say this. Until people actually change, nothing's going to change anyway. So I can ask you all day, when is this going to change? When is this going to change? It's really not until we as a people, black, white, that, that doesn't matter, until we decide, okay, I ain't doing what everybody else is doing no more. Or I'm not getting in. Like Even like in the youth, system <laughs> uh, until like somebody like Yo, you know what this isn't cool us going to jail coming home repeating the same stupid cycle coming home getting a girl pregnant getting locked up blase blase until that changes it's not going to change anyway so I still like to hear your thoughts on what would cause change but I know real change comes from with that that makes sense mm -hmm. so if you have any last words if you don't I really appreciate you coming Icebox can I say something since we have you a captive sure, you sure can this is my like Criminal advice I give to everyone Go when ahead. I do talk. And tell them how to reach you if they need any, uh, if you want them reaching you, they need, <laughs> if they want any legal advice. Um, I'll think about it. All right, you don't crazy. got to. Um, so, things to remember. One, your Miranda rights only apply if you are um, detained and being interrogated. When you are being detained and interrogated, ask for a lawyer so you do not talk. Don't answer any questions. Only tell them your name and like your demographic information. Stop talking after that. Say, I want an attorney. Number two, stop posting on social media. Number three, stop posting on social media. Number four, stop posting on social media. That's all. All right, so I do. I'm sorry. Could you say something about <laughs> random rights? 
you what are they legally obligated to share when I don't even want to say I don't even I can't even say detain because I don't even know the difference because I've heard I've watched videos they're like I'm not detained I'm not detained so before you we close speak on what detained means and then two speak on that part like on what they're obligated what you have to legally say mm -hmm. in order for them to leave you alone yeah so when a police officer stops you um, and I'm not going to talk about being in a car because that's a different situation we can have another conversation so if you're like walking down the street or something like that you have to give them your name and your business about so like where you're going where you're coming from legally have to yes okay and this coming from a lawyer are you yes. uh, street lawyers so your name and your business about um, or your business abroad I think is how it's said in the case law you are detained when you don't when a reasonable person feels like they're not free to go um, so you can literally ask the officer if they keep asking you questions and you're not sure am I free to leave if they say no you're not free to leave you are then detained okay. um, and then an interrogating question would be um, any questions that's like related to a crime that they're and you can I mean I think it's kind of obvious that they're asking you a question that would be incriminating. Um, at that point, you can either say, I don't want to talk to you or I want an attorney. If you say, I don't want to talk to you, um, they have to stop asking you questions, but they can then come back and ask you questions later. It's called a cooling off period, but they can come back. You say, um, I want an attorney. They, cannot, they can no longer ask you any more questions. Legally. Correct. Um, unless an attorney is present. Now, when you say, I want an attorney, the attorney is not going to magically come and appear. We are working on law to do that, um, but that's not the case. Um, and in Delaware, they can only hold you for two hours um, before they can either formally charge you or let you go. So with that said, know your rights. And if you need to find peace anywhere. The Public Defender's Office. The Public Defender's Office. <laughs> and can you, uh, I see your left hand. He's holding the mic. What's that? What's that on your left hand? Thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, uh, appreciate you coming, Paige. <laughs> I had to wait till the end. The whole time I'm like, how am I going to make her? How am I going to acknowledge this? Yo?